Hello and welcome back to another episode of the NHL Podcast. I'm Rahil alongside my co-host, Safir, and we have an awesome guest for you guys. Safir, I'll let you take it away. My goodness, Rahil, I'm very excited about this episode, man. We have a very high-profile individual in our NHL community joining us for today's episode. He is a Twitch partner. He is a YouTuber. He's got his own podcast as well. Um, he is an EA Sports NHL game changer and an esports commentator for Sports Gamer. Welcome, Tuki. It's so nice having you. It's awesome to be here, guys. I, um, you know, I when I remember when this podcast was first announced and just how happy I was for both of you and just kind of seeing the general strides. I mean, more happy for Safir, uh, you oh. know, Rahil. Uh, we we have some geo guesser history on oh, Twitch man. that you know we, we still got to settle that someday. But um, no, it's awesome to be here, guys. And again, thank you very much for having me on. No, absolute pleasure, Duke. And you know what? That GeoGuessr, we're going to have to settle that one day. Um, you forgot to mention Handsome, though, Sophia. I think you got to put that in oh, next time for the intro. We got a very handsome. Absolutely. We're even. <laughs> we're all even. Absolutely. So I'll uh, I'll start it off, I guess. Why not? So, Tugi, why don't you just give us a little bit of a just, you know, intro about yourself, how you came into falling in love with the game of NHL and just kind of, you know, what led you to where you are today? Uh, falling upward is probably the the best answer but uh both my parents are hockey fans um you know we gotta represent the Bruins jerseys quite a bit in the background there so I really didn't have much of a choice in terms of being a hockey fan you know there's a lot of pictures uh you know baby pictures and Bruins stuff so um someone called that abuse but I I'm, I'm happy I'm happy with how it turned out uh, but obviously you know a lot of you know just playing the games growing up mm -hmm. um really as far as I could remember you know I uh we didn't have the most money growing up but my dad always made sure to, to do what he could so in terms of the consoles that we had hockey was pretty much always the first game that was on there whether it was more often than not any NHL but I mean you know you're talking late 90s early 2000s when I was first like really able to kind of be aware of playing games and you know there was the occasional NHL face off or breakaway in there which yeah. those those didn't age too well by the way um <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it was just kind of a thing where, you know, just growing up, always playing these games and then probably around, I mean, 2012, 2013 on the YouTube side of things, especially, I think the hockey scene really kind of started to pick up a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I think probably someone like 2BC was at the forefront of that, especially for someone who already played a lot of franchise mode. It was, hey, that was kind of the guy to watch at, at that point. And eventually it just kind of hit the point where it's like, well... I already play this enough anyway. Why not just throw what I do up there on YouTube? If something happens from it, cool. If something doesn't, well, hey, at least I know. Um, and somehow, God, when was that? 2016? Somehow we're still here. It might have, yeah, it might have even been the end of 2015. Somehow we're still here at this point. Um, but yeah, it's been YouTube pretty much consistently since. Twitch, Ooh. I've been on for five years i think in 2018 nice. so i've been at this for quite a while at this point i'm surprised but somehow again we're, we've still been able to swing it but yeah just kind of lifelong hockey fan the video games are naturally a part of it and here we are for better or worse awesome story you know what i love every bit of your story except one part just the fact that you're a bruins fan and it really pains me that i'm sitting here talking with the Habs fan and a bruins fan and honestly it couldn't get worse in that aspect uh <laughs> but nonetheless uh totally uh yeah no totally awesome hearing 
your story and your connection and love for the game. And uh, obviously you've reached now a stage where you are so involved with every aspect of the initial community. And, you know, today we're here to discuss about sports gamer and the first ever NHL 6v6 world finals that's going to be taking place. We've never seen this before. So there's so much to talk about with regards to that. The ES, the ECL uh, winning team will take on the NACL winning team. We'll get into uh, some details about what those tournaments are and what that entails. So uh, first and foremost, you know, I think some viewers might not yet recognize or know about Sports Gamer. So what can you tell us about Sports Gamer? So it's actually been around for longer than I even realized. It started just as kind of like an online message board back in 2004. And it wasn't until really 2015 that the uh, site really kind of took off in terms of being competitive 6v6. Um, but in general, sports gamer, they, you know, create and run tournaments. You know, we host the media side, the broadcast around it. Some people might recognize it under the old name of NHL gamer. Um, we changed the sports oh, game over the I last mean. couple of years, uh, due to getting more involved in the FIFA scene, uh, as well, mm -hmm. you know, at sports gamer, we're partnered with the, uh, Finnish football association. Um, I got to go to Finland this past June, actually got to tour those offices. I was 15 minutes late from, uh, meeting a professional uh, player, uh, Tamu Puki of Norwich City. I was, I was ah. that close. Would have been able to make some people in the community jealous, mainly a uh, uh, fellow by the name of Cosmic. That would have been for you. I would have just been able to flex on him so hard with that one. Um, we're also partnered with uh, the Finnish Ice Hockey Association, um, the SHL, the Swedish Hockey League. They have their own esports side of things with the ESHL. We're partnered up with them too. And we've done events with uh, other organizations, Ducks Gaming, uh, the Leafs. So there we go. Maybe that wins me some points. Uh, Northern <laughs> Arena as well. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, there's a lot of different leagues out there. And it was it was kind of interesting just in the way that I got started. Um, you know, you mentioned the game changer side of things. And uh, I actually got to visit Vancouver back in April of 2019. And one of the other people that happened to be there is a guy by the name of Kenu, who is the kind of head honcho behind uh, what we do at Sports Gamer. And that was kind of the moment we actually ended up on the uh, the same floor of the hotel that we were put up in. So we ah. just got to talk a lot about the esports side of things. I had an interest in getting in for the broadcasting side of things. And, you know, here we are almost four years later and I've been able to kind of see uh, just really a, a pretty staggering evolution in what we've been able to do and the kind of output, the product we've been able to provide, uh, to provide I should say, uh, both, you know, from a... You know, a production standpoint with live events, I think we have some tremendous people who provide articles on the website, sportsgamer.gg, by the way. Um, but yeah, we've just, I, I, that's built in from all the broadcasts. You got to, you got to get the plugs in there. Absolutely. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's just, it's been one of those things where, you know, it starts off as, you know, kind of the humble beginnings based on the European side of things that continued to get bigger over there. And is now continuing to branch over here into the North American side of things. Well, first of all, I have to say, um, Kenu, man, that guy's very sophisticated, highly intelligent gentleman. I met him in Montreal, and uh, my goodness, just hearing his thoughts about the NHL community and its growth, honestly, it's mind blowing. And uh, I'm, I'm honestly so happy with the work that Ken's put into Sports Gamer. You, of course, everybody involved. Uh, and you talk about, you know, Rahil, we always talk about the disconnect between EU and NA. And mm -hmm. I mean, we've we've had those issues. You know, how do we merge the two together? Because you know what, up until now, to be honest, it. 
even though we've had things like the IHF and, and, you know, we still have the GWC in many ways, it still feel, feels disconnected. You know, we talk about the NA GWC, for example, we're disconnected from the EU GWC um, or world championships rather. So uh, what would you guys say sort of is the significance of what sports gamer is doing this year for 6v6? I mean, in a general sense, right. The idea of, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, really, they started to branch out to the North American side of things. I know we were going to get into that, but the uh, NACL is our North American League beat. We yeah. kicked that off in 2019. Uh, it was a tournament won by uh, who were known as Vertigo at the time. Um, and honestly, like we we kind of had it set up where we were able to start taking those forward steps. I thought, uh, you know, one of the highlights of that broadcast, at least for the first game, we had James Sabalski, uh, who does the commentary in the game. Uh, he called the first game with my usual broadcast partner, Sin, uh, for that uh, Best of Seven series there. And obviously, 2019, you know, our, our plans were kind of derailed the following year in terms of what we were looking to do uh, on the North American side of things. And, you know, it, it's it's nice now because we get to this point where we can finally start, you know, kind of properly branching out to the North American side of things. You know, it's building up to this world final first time at a LAN event. We're going to get EU versus NA. It's not going to solve any debates. That debate will rage on for eternity. <laughs> uh, we, we could host this 10 times. NA could win 10 times. And EU would say, well, nope, you just didn't play the right EU teams. Absolutely. It's, it's never going to go away. Mm -hmm. um, but it is going to be nice to finally kind of see two of the very best teams go head to head in that format and what it could lead to in the future. You know, the NACL side of things, it's not just a, hey, maybe once a year type of thing that we want to host. Uh, we really do want to try to replicate what we do on the European side of things with the ECL, um, which again, that picked up in about 2015. And the highlight of it, I would say, is I know a lot of people North American side are always intrigued by the promotion relegation system. And that's a huge feature uh, within the ECL side of things we have our elite division our pro division light and then we have two other tiers below that for newer players uh, to get involved and it's really one of the more interesting things is most of our broadcasts on twitch are covering the elite division the best of the best the top 16 teams in europe but then you get to see some of those battles that are going on in those other tiers players that might be emerging in a lower tier where you say man a, a you know an elite level team should pick that guy up and give him a chance mm -hmm. or um, as we just saw this season in our pro division, we actually just had the final the other day. Uh, there was a club by the name of Totori who were a lower seed, eighth seed, I believe. And they just won the whole thing. They'll be up in the elite wow. division next season. They knocked off higher seed after higher seed and won a game seven uh, to be able to make it there. So it, it's those type of stories, not just within the best of the best, but seeing clubs emerge that we want to replicate for the North American side of things too. Like that is the ultimate goal. Let's get promotion relegation within the North American side of things. Let's not let these teams kind of rest and say, yep, we're a top team. We want to make sure that those top teams have to continue to prove it. And we want to be able to really kind of showcase those emerging stories. Yeah, I think that's absolutely awesome with the whole promotion thing. Like you think about even like the World Juniors we just have where, uh, who, Safir, who won gold again? Was, was, was Canada? Can, oh, yeah, I, was, yeah. <laughs> I think it was Canada. But you, you think about that. Like I remember vividly. I, I forget who was in the relegation, but 
in Nova Scotia, it was sold out for relegation mm-hmm. games. Like these aren't just like, all right, it's the bottom feeder teams who care. It's teams that are playing meaningful games and whether it's an eight seed knocking off all these top teams that ends up getting to be in the elite, elite division or whether it's, you know, two teams fighting to survive and stay in that elite division. I think that kind of thrill is a lot more prevalent in the European market, not just with NHL, but with sport in general. And yeah. I think like seeing that on the North American side, like, Oh man, I, I'd love to watch just a one-game single elimination. Loser gets relegated, winner gets advanced to fear. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? That that would be that would be fantastic. And like to both of your points, it really keeps teams on their toes. Essentially, you know, um, yeah. some teams um, might be getting a little too comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So to further elaborate on that too, right? So the way it works for the European side of things, uh, sixteen-team league. The team that finishes in dead last, they are automatically relegated down to our pro division, uh, which is a story in and of itself. And whether or not that team's going to kind of survive and stick around or if they go their separate ways, which the latter happens quite a bit. Um, and then from there, of course, they're replaced by the pro division winner. So mm-hmm. you have that story of how are they going to do? And for a lot of these guys, you know, they start off in the lower leagues and work their way up. Or they have members of the team that are elite division caliber that go down and start their own teams to prove that they can be the main man behind it to work their way up. And even if they're relegated the following season, the fact that they made it can be viewed as an accomplishment. You know, it's it's the system allows us to not be limited to did you win or did you lose? You know, there are different levels of kind of victory that you can achieve. And, um, you know, from there, uh, 13, 14, 15 play a relegation series against a pro division level club. Um, So, you know, even if the uh, other three members of the final four within pro didn't win the tournament outright, they do still have a chance. It's just a more difficult road for them to get there. So um, there is always something to keep an eye out and talk about with this. And, you know, especially to the North American side of things, I would love to see this format uh, be able to gain a foothold because, it's something that we've talked about a lot recently on broadcasts because of the NAEU debate. Yeah, You have on the European side of things maybe a fewer top teams, but that's probably population-based, right? I mean, North American-wise, yeah. there's a lot of clubs, right? If you guys were to sit here and list off every like top NA club, there's more than 10 teams on that list. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Not the same thing for the EU. And that's just, I, you know, I speculate because of just the sheer amount of people involved. So I think about that and say it was the direct format, uh, only 16 teams, the best 16 teams in NA going head to head, knowing that one of them is going to be dropped at the end of the year. I especially based off of how the uh, NA community likes to uh, let's go with chirp one another, to put it nicely. That would be a very fun environment (laughs) to cover. The egos are strong in NA, man. You absolutely love to see it. I'm going to ask you a little bit, Tugi, about the actual 6v6 finals that are going to be going on. I believe they're in Helsinki, correct? Yes. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the last finals were also, not the world ones, but the EU ones were in Helsinki. And you were there, weren't you? Yes. So, so this past, yeah, uh, yeah I'll, just, I'll go with it. Why not? This past June, you give me an inch, I'll take a mile in terms of talking. <laughs> we love um, that. <laughs> This past June, uh, we held our our finals. We didn't quite get to set the stage the way that we wanted to. Um, You know, things were still kind of iffy with having people in large spaces. Um, But we were able to hold that event. It was essentially in this gigantic plaza right outside of like this major metro area. This place is a mall. It has, you know, everything. It's it's. 
uh, a hub for transportation as well. And we are right outside there set up on this, essentially this like entertainment bus. It was like yeah. two different levels. We had the players down on uh, the first floor and then Sin and I are up in a broadcast booth on the second floor, um, you know, with the speakers pumping the sound out, people walking by, checking it out. It was a very, very unique experience. This time out, uh, we are a part of what is known as Assembly. Um, I do believe their site's assembly.org. Um, it is essentially an entire like gaming expo, essentially, mm. uh, that type of deal. And we're going to be taking part in that on February 24th, Friday the 24th. Uh, a happy birthday to me on that as well. Ah, um, oh, what a special day. <laughs> it, it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, so the 24th is our Elite Division final, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, a little bit more in a bit. Uh, and then the next day, the 25th, is that world final between the NA team and the EU uh, representative. So it's um, it's going to be awesome, man. I, I'm so excited. That city is something else. Um, you know, it's it, Sin and I get to talk a lot about, oh, yeah, you can kind of see a future here. I will not be surprised if he is a Finnish citizen <laughs> within the next 10 years. I genuinely won't be. He has absolutely fallen in love with the city. And it is, uh, it's, it's a beautiful place. You know, I think... We can look at, you know, I th there's a reason why every year you see the list of happiest countries on earth. They're top three <laughs> minimum. It's it's well earned. So quick question before we move on. What's the like, I'm very curious because like I feel like if you put that entertainment bus outdoor in Montreal or in Toronto, you'd have tons. What was the what was the reception like? Like were people like looking and being like, oh, my God, like NHL or were a lot of people just like, what? <laughs> It was a mix of both, I think. Yeah. You know, there were a good amount of people that stopped by to kind of check it out, and there were definitely some confused faces from what I could see. You know, I was able uh, kind of on that second floor to look out at mm -hmm. kind of like the main little area there, and you would see people stop, and there were some who just probably had no idea uh, what was going on, but it's almost, uh, you know, almost a sense of guerrilla marketing, really, right? Yeah. Like, you just, hey, you, you bring it True. to the people, they don't even know if they want it, but it's there, and you can check it out if you want to type of thing. Um I will, I will say, you know, it did rain the second day, unfortunately. Mm. So that kind of cut down a little bit, you know, not as many people really being able to hang out unless they uh, brought an umbrella or a rain jacket. But um, no, it, it was it was really cool just to be able to have that particular setup. Yeah, I think if me and Safir saw that, like we just run over. I, I wouldn't even I don't care. Like I'd leave whoever I'm walking with. I just go check it out. What about you, Safir? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, um. I remember uh, at Eaton Center Mall in Toronto when I was in middle school, there was a couple of pop-up like random NHL tournaments and it always intrigued me. So I can only imagine like, you know, seeing this in Finland, it would totally intrigue me too. Um, and quick note about Finland, you know, my grandma lives in Finland and she absolutely loves it. Like we presented her with this idea of like, hey, you want to move over to Canada and live with us? She's like, no. Nope. <laughs> I'm like, all right, fine. I guess you're sold. Um, now, you know, I, I remember that land tournament how uh, how is it Helsinki? Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So last year, and and you know the land environment for six v six and Rahil, we talk about caps gaming before because they've done it before. It's so amazing seeing the drama and and the um, you know the expressions on the players' faces, mm -hmm. uh, the reactions. Um, and so and this is more even more intriguing knowing that it's NA versus EU. So. Um, you know, that is the one thing that I'm most looking forward to. But like you mentioned, Tuki, before that even happens, we have the ECL Winter Finals taking place the day before on the 24th. Uh, so I thought, you know, this could also be a good time to discuss those two teams. Um, if I'm not 
uh, if I'm correct, I think we have a tunnel vision versus Prolunda Hockey Club. Uh, now, I'm very curious to learn more about these clubs. And uh, yeah, what can you tell us? So over the past four years, the scene has kind of changed a lot. Um, like I said, North American side, you have a handful, double digit amount of clubs that can win any title, whether or not it's Caps gaming, what the Sharks are doing, whoever. Um, European side of things, there has been kind of a, I'll go with like a culture of, of one team dominating or at the very least teams alternating titles. Um, so when we first started four years ago, uh, there were two big clubs. Uh, it is this current version of Frolunda. They've gone under different names, different branding at times. Uh, and another club that was known as Havu Gaming. And the word was when Sin and I first got there, it's going to be one of these two teams dominating until one of them gets bored and breaks up. <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, another club by the name of H-Reds just blew the doors off the place out of nowhere. Um, four seasons ago, they made it to the final and lost. They then went on to win our last three straight championships and uh, were very, very well determined, including, I should say, that final uh, last June in Helsinki uh, went to a game seven in overtime to win their third straight. No team had ever won back to back and they won three in a row, which was wow, wow. a tremendous accomplishment. Mm -hmm. This season was interesting, though, because their pattern of dominance kind of led to Fulunda and Havu really struggling to get that foothold back. There was some shuffle, you know, some shuffling around with Havu, and it led to them, they're no longer a club at this stage. But it led to Frolunda kind of becoming the best of both teams. And now here they are in the finals, and, well, who did they knock out in five games in the semifinal to make it? They got the revenge over H-Reds. Hmm. So it has been a tremendous story really for them to make it to this stage um really some of the best players in the world obviously the most recognizable will be Eki. um in yeah. prior seasons he would play forward and then kind of almost took the role that you see regs play uh where it's mm. like you know this person's one of the best 1v1 players in the world where can they control the pace the best from the defensive side of things uh mm, and that's, that's what Eki's done this season you know he's kind of he struggled a bit at the start he admitted that to kind of get his footing, but as the season went on, they figured it out. Um, their center, Potsloff, as well, last season had played defense. He's back at center. Um, I put him up there with any center in the world in terms of his ability, wow. especially on the back check. Um, he, he plays that typical center's game of he's going to be in front, but he's also going to help cover that defense, and it's one of the uh, real standouts for Forlunda is the ability, since both he and Eki had played defense, to rotate out, and you never know who's going to be joining the rush and what you're, you know, what kind of looks that opposing defense mm -hmm. is going to be thrown. Mm -hmm. um, from there, I mean, I could I could literally go through their entire lineup and tell you why these guys are all awesome, but uh, especially in goal, uh, their goaltender Cape is. First and foremost, a beast. He mentioned uh, he put up uh, some progress pictures actually recently. He's an inspiration to me. Guys dropped a ton of weight, looking real jacked, let me tell you. Uh, but he is, again, he might just have my vote for best sixes goalie in the world. He is incredible. That is not to say that for the NACL side of things, we didn't see some phenomenal goaltending in that most recent tournament, and I will talk about the NA champions in a minute. But, uh, yeah, for Fralunda, it is an all-star team, essentially. Yeah. It is the best of two clubs. They are clicking. 
And I think more than likely they're going to be the common favorite to win this. Their mm. opponents, though, in Tunnel Vision were last year's runner-up. They are the ones that pushed H-Reds to seven games. Um, they were our number one seed at the end of the regular season. We played 30 games. They went 27-0-3, undefeated in regulation, which is insanity, really. That's never been done before That either. is so hard in sixes. Oh, my goodness. And in general, it was it was really interesting for them because they had some lineup changes as well. Their right side, wing, and D both changed. Um, but it's, it's kind of ridiculous just how well it's worked out. Um, they picked up two different guys from another club called Goons, a man by the name of Wenger on defense, and Leitinen, their right wing, who is their key player. Uh, he just broke out to an unbelievable extent this season. Uh, ended up leading the league with 91 points in 30 games, 52 goals. Uh, that is one of those guys where it's just you get him on a, an upper echelon team. Goons are a very good squad, but you get him to that next level, sink or swim. And I mean, the guy's practically Michael Phelps at this point. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm very, very excited in general for this series because it's two teams that this could end up being a very pivotal point for them. It's either Tunnel Vision fully breaks into that conversation as one of the EU's best, or it's that Verlunda squad that kind of regain that crown and prove that they are still amongst the very best. And for both of these teams, you know, I, I do wonder heading into the season just how much they thought, you know, okay, are we going to be able to win this when H-Reds are there? Because that H-Red squad, they were very, very determined to be the team that represented the EU side of things. I know for a mm -hmm. fact they genuinely believe uh, they are the best team in the world, uh, but they got caught, and it can happen. Any team can lose at any time. I mean, we've seen that, um, you know, the NACL side of things, um, which I can get into those two teams if you'd like me to. <laughs> um, there, were, there were some very close calls uh, for some top teams, although that still ended up down to our top two seeds. I, I followed the ECL a little bit last year, and yeah, HREDS is the one team that constantly came up. So, uh, and you know, we also talk about roster media, and in a lot of ways, people say that's not necessarily a good thing, but for some teams, like the teams that you mentioned, they're just a couple of pieces away, could even be just like a positional switch. So, it's really interesting, and it sounds like both teams made the right moves, which is why they're in this place now. Um, now, yeah, yeah, let's get into the NACL side of things. And, you know, yeah, there's a lot of high-profile teams. I'm going to be very honest with you. I did not expect Entourage to win it because I think, you know, I mean, there's so many good teams, but I think people kind of expect that. I think ILGT or Caps Gaming sort of to be near the top. But uh, what have you noticed about Entourage throughout the season and, and uh, how they've landed their spot at the finals? So for them, it was a big season. Um, you know, Hendry is known uh, within the NA side of things for kind of being tied to Fisher a little bit. And those two guys were, were split up for this tournament. Uh, and I think that really kind of served as a great motivating factor for Entourage, who, you know, didn't have the easiest path to make it to the finals. So our, our playoff format uh, you had four different groups. Top two seeds in each group made it uh, through the first round, an automatic buy. And then we had the format where in round two, uh, the top seeds were able to pick their opposition, uh, which a lot of players seem to be very happy about that. Um, you know, for some teams, it worked out. 
Um, our number one seed in Scary Hours, they elected to uh, take on Interstellar, who was kind of a rising club. To I, I feel like Joey kind of wanted to put them in their place a little <laughs> bit, um, and they succeeded uh, in that. But, you know, you had some teams that really kind of broke through. We had a couple of upsets uh, in that kind of second round. Um, you know, our seventh seed, I believe, was Strictly Business. They got swept. They just had an off day and um, was admittedly disappointed uh, by that result. I thought they'd go a little bit further than they did. Uh, but Entourage, you know, they were able to pick uh, Supremacy, swept them. Uh, they were able to take on Underdogs, beat them in five. And then the big challenge for them was the semifinal. Um, one unit is a club that a lot of people kind of pegged of like, keep an eye out on these guys because they might be able to break through and maybe this is the tournament to do it. And they did. Uh, they were the ones to knock out Isles GT in a seven game set in the quarterfinals. And that was absolutely huge for them. Yeah. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, they were up to nothing on Entourage and then Entourage just started to build momentum. And once that happened, I mean, that's where that kind of championship level experience pays off, right? Like yeah. if you're a team like one unit, uh, you, you find out, as the saying goes, there are levels to this game that applies to pretty much anything that you're doing. And Entourage had that kind of championship experience to be able to shut things down. I view them as mentality monsters mm -hmm. because they played the finals against Scary Hours, who were our number one team. Uh, they knocked out Caps Gaming in seven quarterfinals. They went to seven like they had a bit of a rough road there. To the point where you almost view scary hours the same way. If these guys just refuse to go down, they're not going to be able to be beaten. And Entourage just pretty much shut them down. It, it was a sweep, but I'll, I'll say the series was pretty close. Mm -hmm. um, it might have been one of the closest, you know, four game series that you'll ever see, really. But it just really showcased just how strong mentally Entourage are to just. I mean, to really never give up on any individual play and defensively as well. I wasn't sure if I was expecting a team knowing how competitive the NA scene is to be able to shut another team down like they did. Once you get to, okay, here are like the top teams going head to head. You see a sweep in round one. Okay. That's believable. You have the teams that got into the playoffs. Maybe that was a close race. Good season for them. To see a sweep in the final was was shocking, and yeah. Entourage in general, you know, I obviously presume the majority of people who listen to this will be much more familiar with them as opposed to the EU side of things. Uh, they are beyond legit, and in terms of you know teams that we were able to see play, you know, you could argue who might have been a more interesting matchup, or like, oh, I really wish I would have seen this team there. I don't feel that way. I'm glad it was Entourage that made it through because I. First and foremost, can't wait to meet these these six guys that are coming mm -hmm. over. I think they're you know really interesting, a really interesting squad, and um, you know in, in general, just to see what they're going to be able to do in that land setting as well. Because I'm not sure how experienced they've been in a land setting with this version of the squad, if at all. Um, and I think that's only going to kind of strengthen that mental resolve that they have. It's funny you mentioned mentality. I, I think Entourage should probably teach the Leafs a little bit about mentality when it comes to the playoffs. Okay. What do you think, Tugi? <sighs> so I um I gotta be honest. I do have a soft spot for the Leafs. I oh, really do. Does. Does. Yeah. I really, really do. And I'm I'm hoping, even though you know we we talk about you know standings and everything a ton. It's looking like it might be Tampa. 
for Toronto again. Safir got uh, shivers. <laughs> He's like, oh no. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't think. I'm confident. <laughs> I don't think Leafs fans will have the same takeaway as like, ah, well, we lost to a really good team this time. Like, if they were to lose to Tampa again in the first round, it's not going to be like, ah, shucks, we tried. It's <laughs> it's going to be right back to how how did we how did we lose that series? Which I I hope you guys get to avoid for once. Just a quick comment about that. I was uh, at Maple Leaf Square for Game 7 against Tampa Bay, and the moment the game ended, I ran out of that place. I'm like, last thing I want is a picture of my sad face all over the internet. <laughs> Sapir didn't want to get memed. I love it. Yeah, oh I dipped like, right away. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be on, on Twitter for this. Smart um, move, Sapir. Smart move, man. Yeah. Uh, you know what, uh, Hendry, I have to say, um, like you said, to yeah, some people, and I'll, I'll be very honest, I also did not expect Entourage to, to make the finals. But after hearing your comments and honestly thinking more about Hendry specifically, he is very smart when it comes to forming a team because the original Entourage team was a team that ended up signing with IELTS GT. And Hendry was part of that team, right? So, and he decided to bring back Entourage. So he's a very smart guy. He knows what he's doing. And while people like myself might be a little bit surprised, I mean, recognizing that they are a very good team, still a little bit surprised that they made the finals. It really shouldn't be surprising to your point. So. Like you said, like the, the competition level is just so high on the North yeah. American side of things at any given tournament. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, Obviously, compared to covering now the EU scene for four years now, I'm not as familiar with uh, certain aspects of the scene uh, in terms of who won what tournament two years ago, for example. Like, I, I have to admit my ignorance there. You know, that's tough to remember. What a nice cameo, by the way. I, know. <laughs> I, think, I think every episode he has to make every episode, now. Yeah. <laughs> That's like three in a row. He's but, just a big hockey fan. I love yeah, it. It's just it's probably it's a competition level. Uh, no, he's not a Leafs fan. He's a Leafs fan. <laughs> Listen, oh, you know what you, know what you should do when we get to the playoffs? Um, well, granted, Montreal won't be there. I was about uh, to say, you're talking playoffs, huh? <laughs> I'm talking Bedard sweepstakes, Doogie. Let them know. Like, have do one of those videos where it's like, okay, which, which treat do they pick? And there's like the Leafs logo and the, the Lightning logo. And, and that's how we'll find out for sure. Get I'm sorry. I, I just have to make this comment. I don't know why I do this to myself. So first of all, I go to Game 7, Maple Leaf Square. That was kind of embarrassing, but I, avo I avoided being on social media. And then at the NHL draft, I, I wore my Leafs jersey to the Bell Center. That was not you the did. best idea either. Yeah, somebody shook my hand and then he started chanting like, Three one, three one, three. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Montreal fans are ruthless, Sophia. You got your baptism and fired out. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Grow a thicker skin from it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Tugi, you mentioned, you know, you talked about EU, and you talked about how certain players have their certain, you know, play styles and stuff like that. Talk about NA a bit. I want to ask you, when you. What, what's the main difference between the two when it comes to them playing and their play style? Do you see one playing more like a team, one playing more individual? I'm really intrigued because I think during one broadcast, I think someone was chirping the NA guys thinking like, oh, you guys thought you you came up with a puck moving defenseman build? No, that was the EUs were four years ahead of that. Come on. So was, what are your thoughts? I, mean, I was going to say. <laughs> I thought it was Tugi. So what, what are your thoughts on the play styles overall? That was 100 percent me. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know that, that's been a rather interesting thing. Is you know we, you always kind of talk about the meta of video games, especially online competitive. There's always going to be 
uh, the certain go-tos that people view as like, okay, this is the best that, um, you know, the best possible build I can run. I will say, by the way, uh, if, if you're a more casual player and not a pro player, don't try to follow what the pros do. You're not going to be able to get out of that build what they do. Use what build you're going to have the most fun with. I yeah. promise you'll have more fun with the game. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of those things where for a while, the EU side of things, when we first started, there was a little bit more build diversity. And then very, very quickly, it switched to puck moving defender, gold elite edges. You can flip a couple things if you want to. The center runs playmaker with edges. Uh, that's the go-to. Um, and it's funny because the North American side of things, all we ever heard was, oh, could you imagine running those smaller builds? The NA guys will just truck you over and score goals all day. And then we cover this NACL season and they're all using the smaller <laughs> builds. So I don't know. I don't know what kind of happened there, but I do view it as it really has come down to there. It, there isn't that much of a difference, at least from what I've seen between mm. play styles at this point. Um, you know, you could argue that's just with the way the the state of the EA games are right now that it's kind of caused or you know really pushed players and teams in the direction to have to use the meta builds more frequently. Uh, but there were fewer and fewer holdouts in the EU side of things. Uh, you know, there was a guy last season that ran power forward. He finally gave in. There was another guy who would run sniper, and the main you know the main strategy. Uh, he was on Feriestad. His name was Afe. His main strategy, they'd try the Omahas, and he'd have a faster build than anyone else, and he'd be able to bury those. And mm -hmm. it was almost Ovechkin-esque. Like, you knew it was coming, but you just couldn't really couldn't stop it. They'd still find a way uh, to score with him. I see less and less of that now on both sides of things. And like mm -hmm. I said, there might be... I think they're reviewed to some subtle differences between, oh, this side's more willing to dump and chase, this side's more willing to do that. I didn't really see that either. I see both sides really kind of prioritizing puck possession above all else. Both sides. Uh, if you're trying to get to the neutral zone over the blue line and it's not there, I see both teams circle back to their own zone and, okay, wow. circle up and we're going to try again. As opposed to trying the dump and chase, which both sides do. It's just, you know, some maybe more frequently than others. But I think that's just based on a team-by-team -team basis as opposed to regionally. So I knew I was going to get asked this question. And, you know, the problem is, like, we had, you know, we really went into this season thinking, like, okay, cool, by the end of the season, we're going to have all these examples of these main differences between the styles. And, you know, maybe the pro players can pick it out uh, because they're going to be looking with, you know, like that much more mm -hmm. at the, the real small details of it. But from a general standpoint, and I think for you know, anyone who's just going to tune into the stream and check it out. I don't know how big of a difference in play styles you'll see. Uh, but for the final, maybe we see teams willing to try a few more different things because you're not going to have that familiarity of going head-to-head -head with these teams on a regular basis that could lead to some of those more kind of stalemate, you know, runs of play that we see with teams having to circle back. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I think there's two points there that kind of lead to that whole, you know, it's kind of the same all around. I think one is, I think the state of the game is a part of it. I mean, you know, the reason why these are always used is because they're meta. Like, I'm playing LG on Wednesday. I know my right winger is going to be a puck-moving defenseman. Makes no sense, 
but that's just the way it works and that's just the meta it, it is what it is but i think the other side of it and i'm curious what you think about it Zafir, as well as you Tugi, is when i think about other games like it, it's very similar like when you get to that upper 0.1% of the elite of the elite regardless of what game it is you talk about like call of duty everyone's going to be running the same three or four guns you talk about like apex legends everyone in ranks is looking for those same three or four guns i don't know about you guys but i feel like just once you get to that skill level it's kind of just like that becomes an equalizer in a way it's so interesting to me because i mean tuki earlier talked about eki and ranks you know how like that one player can carry the play and then have a huge impact but in terms of like overall team style of gameplay is so similar between teams and i it's it's so interesting to me because that's not the case when we think about 1v1 right like if you look at grand's gameplay for example he's run and gun uh versus if you look at i don't know who's a good example but uh, or you know what generally the community will say the community uh, the eu 1v1 players are more like possession heavy play slow sort of thing and then any players like pogs and grand they'll, they'll just rush it right but when it comes to sixes it sounds like it doesn't matter what region the teams kind of play the same way perhaps trap heavy as well and yeah, that could be more about you know how the game is designed and what it allows for 6v6 teams. Although the one thing that I am very curious about um, is at a LAN environment, the connection is going to be better too. So I'm really interested to see how that might affect the usual way of playing the sixes. That is something I think the NA might have trouble adjusting to. The European side of things, no joke, they are running as little as two ping as much as like 15 regularly Interesting. they are they are so spoiled it's unbelievable <laughs> and they are going to have the advantage of knowing how the game feels at that pace at the same time for the na is maybe this unlocks a whole new world of potential maybe they look even better because now they know oh i can do this more quickly than i'm used to be able to do this like i will be able to take more chances with passes like if i'm on 40 ping and i try to make this pass it's going to get pokes mm -hmm. but this time i can stand my ground and make the play that is another huge huge factor in this series that i'm very very intrigued by you know what i have to say i'm, I'm thinking back to my first land experience at, at leafs gaming um and at that time this was about five years ago every time i played hot i think i would play on like 30 ping or something mm. going to land playing on one ping i actually lost my first two games because it was such a huge adjustment mm. so like now that i'm thinking about that yeah it might we'll see we'll see how quickly uh Entourage adapts to that uh quick ping i, I don't think we I don't know if the if the team has anybody from Quebec. I know some players from uh, the Quebec province play on two ping, but uh, yeah, I think Hendry and those other guys. I don't know. I don't know what ping they usually play on, but certainly not two ping. So yeah, I mean, again, that's going to be a, another really interesting factor for it. And I mean, you know, you talk about like just for me on the uh, the East servers. I mean, it's what do I consider a good ping? Forty to fifty. Um, you know, Sin will, will play, I hate the term Ishul with a passion, but I've given it, <laughs> and that's all I say now. Um, you know, we'll, we'll play club games together, and he's on 90, because he's out in California. Oh, uh, yeah. And, wow. you know, like, we still have fun, we still make it work, but it's funny when we commentate these games, and we see players check their ping, and it's like, an average of three, but you had a spike of ten, and we joke, like, oh, yeah, they're probably like, oh, that, that damn spike of 10 ping really cost me <laughs> on that play which sounds absurd to people on the north american side that is uh yeah that's crazy 
listen to you. So I want to ask you about not just the direction of sports gamer going forward, but also, you know, you as a broadcaster and the broadcasters and everyone involved. I think for me personally, the one thing I've noticed is over these last like three months since December, we had Eki and Regs, you know, face off in a unofficial official mm-hmm. world championship. We have this EU versus anything. Are we going to slowly start seeing? I guess, I guess I'm asking two questions here. Are do you think we're slowly going to start seeing a bit more of an EU NA kind of like unifying as one, or what do you think about that? I mean, I think we have to, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, for us at Sports Gamer, it really is the idea of we'd love to have that more consistent foothold on the NA side of things that we, you know, felt like we were gaining a couple of years ago before that momentum was stopped and after the success of this season and based off of how we're predicting the, this final to go. I mean, even if it were to be, uh, if it's a four game series or if it's a seven, the result is interesting, no matter what, to see what happens next time. You know, was that just the right matchup for EU over NA or vice versa, or, you know, Hey, what happens when it's this team against this team type of thing? So uh, I definitely, definitely think so. And I mean, you know, obviously it, don't want to use buzz terms like it's a global game but it is and it makes Mm -hmm. sense to continue to drift towards these options and i think that's why you see the likes of caps gaming or uh tampa as well right like they have european champions as well and eki i I think as well had gone to tampa and and played so i do think we are going to see that continued push to have these scenes kind of intertwined because you do want to know like it's not just who's the best in north america like hey it's cool it's cool to be able to say i am the best at this in north america it's even better to say i am the best at this in the world Mm -hmm. Uh, from the sports gamer perspective i mean you know my my personal goal is to just continue like i've i wasn't sure right when i started doing this in terms like okay am i gonna like this like you know the, the whole broadcasting side of things like youtube twitch that was a creative way Uh, to kind of scratch that itch to see like, hey, is there a future for me in this, you know, non-traditional route? Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously the connection with the video game there too. It's like, well, cool. Say I want to cover professional hockey games, but I also like the the video game side of things. Well, hey, the esports opportunity is there. And for me, like, I want to continue to see this grow, right? Like anything else. I mean, you put four years of work into something, and to see what it's become already and how much bigger you know it can continue to get and continues to. I mean, you know, a year ago, there were conversations of like, yeah, this world final would be great, but can we logistically make it work? How does this work? And now to know uh, that we are less than two weeks away from this, you know, at the, the time we're recording this, I am, uh, what, less than a week away uh, from flying over to Helsinki for the second time in less than a year, which... Yeah. You know, you, you kind of talk about those things, right? Of, okay, I started, I, you know, I started this whole YouTube journey in a small apartment and it's okay. It's led me to going to Vancouver and then for the broadcasting, it's led me to Helsinki now twice. And it's just continuing to see where this path leads me at this point, because it's the path has already gone longer than I ever thought it would. Uh, for anything related to an online presence that I have at this at this stage. So I am more than happy to continue to follow along with Sports Gamer and to see where we go, because uh, I I mean it when I say it. Like, there is not another team that I would like 
to work for. Uh, you know, Safir mentioned having getting to meet Kenu. Uh, he is so incredibly goal driven and motivated to take this thing as far as he can. Um, you mentioned the whole game changer thing, which is, you know, kind of a direct line to the developers and being able to talk about like, hey, here's what the community wants. Here's what this game needs. He, among others, have been fighting so hard uh, for the, you know, competitive scene, whether it be, you know, <laughs> improved servers, whether it be a actual proper spectator mode that we are all still hoping for. Please, <laughs> my goodness, please. That would be lovely. Uh, we have a couple of producers behind the scenes as well. You know, I have done broadcasts and anyone who's done casts, whether it be shout out the no sleeves, Grizz, Davos, King Lime, you guys all know this, where you've had to run the broadcast by yourself. Um, you can get through it. You can make it good. Is it a lot more fun to have a producer in your ear who's like, hey, when you say let's show the standings, I got you. You're good to go. You can just stay focused. Uh, they are... Um, the reason on the European side of things, it's a guy by the name of Guido on the NA side of things for the NACL this season. Uh, it was so someone who most people are probably familiar with, with F5 Penguin. Uh, and they are both just the best, the best at what they do. And I will stand by that until proven wrong. Good luck proving me wrong on that <laughs> one. We have just such an incredible team that helps make what we do look as good as it looks which I'll put that up against what anybody else does and really helps, you know, especially early on helps sin and I, you know, be able to do what we do to make it just kind of effortless on our part. We don't have to really, to really think about it. Like it's just, we are set up to succeed better than I ever would have thought because I heard some horror stories with this community in terms of when I first started and how difficult it can be. And, is the juice worth the you know worth the squeeze really? But mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's worked out tremendously for us and for myself and you know sports gamer in general. I I was kind of saying like the esports scene. Uh, the European term for it is it's uh, e hockey essentially. You know, oh. um, and and that's really kind of the goal for sports gamer at this point is to make this the very best that it can possibly be. And as I said, to offer like the highest level of competition for both North America and Europe, but at the same time, keeping that kind of grassroots approach with how it started, you know, wanting to make sure that not only are we putting the spotlight on the, you know, the, the best of the scene, but giving people that chance to start off in those lower leagues and say, okay, hey, this is good. I'm in uh, the, the core division, solid competitors here. I get to play some competitive games and I'm good. But if you want to take that next journey and keep trying to work your way up, you very much can. Uh, you know, not everyone is going to be Eki, Regs, Hendry, like the best players, uh, you know, on, on the best teams. Uh, but we do try to make it as approachable as possible to grow the scene, to grow the player base and just take it to different levels. You know, you go to the website, you click on the leagues tab. It can almost at times be a little bit intimidating. Because we have the ECL for the European side of things. We have the NACL. Uh, we have a German championship as well. There are the other Western European countries that have their own leagues. Uh, in the offseason, uh, we run Finnish championships and Swedish championships. So you'll see players on different teams 
Uh, so, you know, you could end up seeing, for example, in the Finnish championship, you might end up seeing a Forlunda player and an H-Reds player on the same team. You know, it mm. just creates its own different scenarios. So that's that's the primary thing for us is to just keep making this, you know, big as we possibly can, because it is a, a tremendous opportunity. You know, there's been so much emphasis on 1v1, and that is unique and interesting in its own ways. I will very much stand by the sixes scene, especially when you get those extra personalities involved, knowing you're going to have 12 unique personalities there, how they mix, how their play styles mix. There's nothing really like it. So that's yeah. part of the reason as to why I keep going with them. Absolutely love everything you said there, Tugi. And like, honestly, sixes all the way, man. Like I used to grow up with hot sixes all the way, man. Sorry, Sophia. <laughs> No, no, it's it, it's totally fine. You know what? Even though I'm more of a one v one guy, when I think about like the future of NHL esports, um, sometimes pains me to say this, but I I do think that uh, you know it hockey is a team based game. You know, like we see the NBA two K league, and my goodness, if I, I wish we had something like that for for the NHL, um, but not just for the NA, but just like a natural approach where it's like a global sort of league. I mean, real life NHL, you have players from all parts of the world, right? So I wish in an ideal world we can have that. And who knows, we might have that one day. And um, honestly, I will leave it at that myself because you, I think the things that you said to gay, it's, it's hard to top that. So I, I appreciate all of your comments. I think they are very meaningful and uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's been, been great man to be able to be on here finally talk to you guys and again i thank you very much for the uh, the platform here to be able to talk about this like i said um, i i'm really excited about this particular event i think what we're going to be able to do on this broadcast you know first day like i said february 24th we crown a european champion the na guys will be there <laughs> they'll be able to see these two teams go head to head right in front of their own eyes be able to kind of study and prepare for that next day. They might even, of course, have the leg up on that. But again, the NA title has already been decided. So those European teams would have had a chance to watch Entourage. It's just a bunch of unique dynamics kind of coming to a head at once. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. February 24th and February 25th. I'm definitely going to be watching. All you guys listening and watching, you better make sure you're watching as well. Listen, Tugi, just ended off on behalf of me and me and Sophia, man. Thank you so much for doing this. You are, you know, you're, you're one of those pathfinders who, uh, you know, isn't doing the traditional, you know, open packs play hot. Nothing wrong with that, but you know, you're playing a franchise. If you guys don't ever haven't catch the streams, he will literally spend three hours editing players and yelling about how heights and weights are off. It's hilarious, super <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, honestly, thank you, Tugi. And I, I think on that note, we'll end it off, guys. Thank you so much for both listening and watching, and have yourselves a wonderful day. <laughs>